All right, folks, welcome in to Pickaxe and Roll, brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook Sports. I'm your host, Ryan Blackburn, at NBA Blackburn on Twitter, part of the Mile High Sports Podcast Network, and I am very excited to be back with my guy uh, as, as we... Took a little bit of a break over this last week. I, I, I was in Los Angeles. I wanted to be able to enjoy that just a little bit, but uh, we had a great time, and then both of us got to really enjoy this last sweep, and then getting a little bit of time off here as, as we're we're trying to get back into the flow of the finals. But we've got plenty to discuss with my guy Swipe a Cam. This is weekends with Swipe. If you're new to this. Uh, Swipe and I go live every weekend and, and try to have tried to go live every single weekend of the season as there's just so much to talk about uh, between this Nuggets team and then the NBA and all of the things in between. And now we've got the Nuggets in the freaking finals, man. Like, how crazy is that? How are you, my friend? Man, I'm living, bro. It's been a really good week it's been a great playoff run and i think that nuggets nation the city of denver the state of colorado the united states serbia all of our international fans supporters from all across the world i think everybody is excited and you know what's so dope about this ryan i don't think anybody i think people are excited about making it to the finals but i think everybody knows that this team realistically has higher expectations than even making the finals like it's to win and I feel that from the overall viewpoint of the audience and from the public at large, man, I think, uh, you know, everybody's just like, this team is good enough. You've got the best player in the series. And apparently, you know, you might have the second best player in every series you're in for now on too. So I think everybody's looking, it's ready to go for the next round. It's fun, man. Like this is just a fun time for Denver right now where, Nuggets fans have never been able to experience this before. Nuggets fans have been building for this moment for a long time. And it does really feel like this is the culmination of like five years of, hey, Denver's been close. They've been one of those teams that's on the fringes of the conversation for a while. They've had a player that has developed into the best player in the league. And it's so funny, like how that conversation has shifted because we're just talking before this. Like there are folks that that didn't have him in their top five before the playoffs, and now that we've seen what's actually happening, like oh yeah, he's definitely the best player in the world now. Like that's just that's just oh, how it is. <laughs> right. Let me tell you, bro. So you know, y'all know I have a day job, and I've, I've this has been consistent. So I work full shifts, Ryan, during the day. I then come home after doing all this writing about completely different stuff, right? So I'm at work yesterday. We're like doing this content vision casting thing. Obviously, my mind is focused on bro, Nuggets basketball, sure. NBA finals. And there's a couple people that know that I am do things I do with this. And, bro, there's somebody that walked up to me. One is a, a Lakers fan said, bro, y'all got us out there in four. I couldn't believe it. I was like, man, that's crazy, right? And then another person that is a casual basketball observer, she literally said to me, verbatim, I had heard about Jokic. Like, I knew he had won his MVPs. I had kind of questioned them. Like, you know, is this guy really that good? But I watched him play versus the Lakers, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. Like, this dude is spectacular. And it's so funny because, like, literally what we were talking about, the casual people, they just hadn't had a chance to – and it's not their fault. Like, you know, they're not they're not basketball junkies. But they literally said, I haven't seen him play at a high level. And I watched him play versus LeBron and the Lakers, and I was floored by how good he was, how smart he is. And so it's so funny now watching the world at large being – forced to watch them and they're like bro like they're they're actually really good so it's just so funny to hear 
No, it's hilarious, man. And we're, we're going to talk about plenty of that, especially with kind of the state of Nuggets coverage in, in the second yeah. segment. But I, I really do want to focus in on just the journey to this point. And, and I talked about this a little bit on a podcast earlier this week in terms of some of the moments that Denver has had where I could sense like boots on the ground. They're like, hey, you are you are legit. You are right. who you say you are. And you're going to be able to follow through on a lot of these things. But there was no doubt in my mind that Jokic was going to be able to get to this point. And, and I think right. it comes from just watching. It comes from just watching him and, and being able to see him uh, day in, day out and knowing like, hey, this is the progression of a player like this. And you know what the capabilities are. You know what the mentality is. You know what the the skill set does. And and I think like like you talked about, a lot of people just didn't appreciate that. And we're going to talk about it in the second segment, probably to no fault of their own, like if we're being honest. Like that's that's just like how the world works and, and how the NBA has really screwed themselves on this guy. But uh, they're, they're trying to make up for it. There's, there's no doubt in my mind. They're trying to I've seen so much Nuggets coverage over the course of this week and deservedly so. Like this is a team that that deserves all of the all of the numbers, all the takes, all of the stuff. And. I, I I'm just very happy to see this group be able to bask in that, even if that may not be their actual full on goal. Right. Yeah. Well, Ryan, let's be honest here. Okay. The biggest story with the Nuggets is not the final friend. It's the fact that nobody can watch the games, Ryan. So, uh, you know, we had a very specific conversation with someone that we'll get to later that, you know, 92% of people in Colorado are not able to watch the game. So, you know, it's been a great week. It's been a great week all around because I think the vindication, Ryan, you will get to this, but you have been all the Jamal Murray takes you had as hot as they were. They may not have been hot enough <laughs> because I, I kept trying to tell people, my guy, <laughs> we went into the series when we did the Den Ventures show. And, you know, we talked about the idea of Jamal Murray, you know, being the fourth best player in the Lakers series. Ended up being maybe the second. At the worst, the third behind LeBron. So hey, it's just been a it's been a really good week for you individually, dude. It's 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 awesome to be able to see this because like I I, I sort of I knew that when I the timing that I that I really first latched onto Jabal <clears throat> was back in like 2019 2020, yeah, where he signed that contract, and I, I've talked about this on previous shows, but like. When when he actually signed that big extension, there was a lot of criticism from people. Mm -hmm. A lot of criticism for people that he got the same contract as Ben Simmons, mind you. Like right. those guys got the same contract, and people were like, "What's Jamal Murray getting this contract for?" I should have been asking the other question, but uh, there there's a lot there. And and I I wrote about the duo, and I wrote about Kobe and Shaq, and I still maintain that that is the best like anagram for for who they are in terms of you have this young dynamic scoring guard mm -hmm. trying to learn how to play with this amazingly talented interior force. And those guys, it, it didn't like fully manifest in the way, like those guys like had three championship runs and like there's, there's a lot there, but it also wasn't like, it wasn't initially when, when, those guys got together. It took them time. It took them time to develop. It wasn't perfect. And to see them be able to develop that has been has been really, really cool. 
Ooh, question for you, my brother. Question mm -hmm. for you. Put on your basketball historian cap. If they win a championship, which <laughs> is if. If. Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, is that the best international two-man game in NBA history? Oh. Ooh. Because you have Nash and Dirk in Dallas. That was the first one that came to mind. Uh, Tony Parker and Tim Duncan still comes to mind. Monte Ginobili and Tim Duncan still comes to mind in terms of, hey, both of the like, – yeah. one is French, one is uh, Argentinian, uh, Argentine. And so, like, that that would be – that would be the where my mind first goes, but I think they have an argument because like so much of Jamal, it's not about the all-star appearances, which he has zero right now. It's about what he raises his game to when the moments matter most. And obviously his growth has been stunted a little bit and, and he still has plenty of time to make all-star appearances. Like yeah. I have a feeling that if, if things go Denver's way, yeah. then there is, there is, Plenty of opportunity. He for just him. averaged 32 and a half points per game on 50, 40, 90 in a Western Conference final. And you think that people are going to remember that when it comes to all-star voting next year? It's it's so funny. Like, I, I, I will never get over the fact that they had to vote in Mike Conley for his advanced analytic numbers as the third member of the Utah Jazz that year. That was, But remember, that was, was that the Dirk? That was the was that the Dirk knock? And Dirk got it the year before. It was like a legacy All Star. But that that one was in addition to the other guys. But like it's right. like, come on, man, celebrate your young stars. This was a great opportunity before. Did they now have three? Did Utah have uh, Donovan, Rudy, and uh, Conley that year? Correct. So wait a minute, they got three yes. for that team. Yes, I know. I know. It's super. It was super frustrating to me because Murray's numbers, in my humble opinion were better. They just didn't have the benefit of the advanced analytics behind it. And like as somebody who is a, a stats guy, like I understand that, but also like it they Utah just had a, a formula that worked for them in the regular season that clearly didn't work in the playoffs. And we all knew that. So we, right. we knew that Denver, which had gone up against Utah in the previous freaking season, was perfectly geared to be able to defeat a team like that. Like with that duo, it was like he averaged 31 against them in the bubble. Like, like what are we doing? So it, it was right. just very frustrating. But, like, point aside, I think it's a very fair point. It's a very fair take that, like, if, like, you could have Jokic and Murray and pit them up against any duo in NBA history and they're going to at least have an argument. Uh, but now, like, with with the international guys specifically, like, Canada, Serbia, like there, there's there's some love there. There's there's some stuff there that I think I think you could really make an argument for. Yeah, I'm trying to think because I don't I mean, Tony, look, I love Tony Parker, but Tony Parker didn't have the scoring ceiling uh, or even, you know, I don't think he had the scoring like he just didn't have the like like the, the, the ceiling that Jamal was able to get to. What about the it factor, uh, as yeah. uh, as as Gilbert Arenas would say? <laughs> exactly, like he didn't have the the it factor, the him factor. Now Tony was great when Tony was in transition. That little spin move he did. As a matter of fact, that the the person that reminds me of Tony now is actually uh, Tyrese Maxey when he just gets going full speed down the court and his ability to get to the rim at will. So I think Tony and Duncan for sure. But man, I'm just telling you right now, just like for player for player at their apex, which is not even their apex, but Jamal just turned 26 years old. I don't know, man. Like, they're, I think they could go on a special run. I really do. There's no doubt in my mind. I, I remember back to December 8th was the, the day that I think the season turned for Denver in my mind was where Jamal hits that game winner. 
Uh, I had the opportunity to write a profile on Jamal before then, like, like that day. And he was talked about his mental. He talked about how it was really difficult for him at that point to do the things that he used to do. And then he hits that game winning shot. And I think it was like a big sigh of relief for him, but also for everybody on the team where they're like, okay, we, we see the vision. Now we see what you're doing. We can, we know what you're capable of. And that, that really, I think set the tone for the rest of the season. And they went on a big run after that. So it was, it was really cool to see over Jeremy Grant. nonetheless. Oh my God. Like you imagine being Jeremy Grant, (laughs) like, it can't be that bad. Like he's gonna get freaking paid this summer, but like that's right. that's what he wants. That's that's what he wants. But. Well, they, well, to be fair, they were the number one seed for at a point in time during the season. <laughs> the Blazers. Yeah, remember they were number one, and then uh, uh, remember Anthony Simon had what? How many points did he have? He had he was seven of seven, I think, from three in the third quarter versus the Nuggets that oh, one that's game. That's right. Holy and shit, then, that was like, that was like the fifth game of the season or something. Their defense. So remember, they were number one because they had like a top five defense because they were running zone. Yeah, man, they were being really gimmicky. Yeah. But obviously, everybody was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't think this is gonna last at all." And then they literally went, Whoop, and then yeah. <laughs> As it turns out, it's really hard to defend like that for an entire season when teams actually start to try. So right. that's uh, like October and November basketball, not emblematic of the NBA. March and April basketball, not emblematic not, of the NBA. No, no, no. The Nuggets are the best possible example of that, I think. So Yeah, yeah, that's when the Nuggets had the 28th ranked defense in the NBA, uh, I think at a point in December, and then yeah. everything turned on its heel. I love it. Um Real quick, I, I want to go over this before we hit a break. Sweetest moments of the playoff run so far. What what comes to mind for you when, when you think about the Wolves, the Suns, the Lakers? Is there a singular moment when you're like, okay, this is the sweetest possible thing for Nuggets Nation? Yeah, I'm, I'm going to rank them. Um, number one, for sure, <laughs> is... Sweeping the Los Angeles Lakers with LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the court, and then watching Jamal Murray have an argument as the second best player in that series and playing so well, people were questioning if he should have been the Magic Johnson Western Conference Finals most valuable player. That's how good he played. He was he was so like 32, 5 and 5 or whatever the number was on 50, 40, 90 is freaking nuts. <laughs> right, right. And then he shot 95% from the free throw line. Okay. And again, that's such a weapon to have on your roster, to have a player that can get to the line and that, that elite. So the Lakers for sure, and I think the fact that it, all, all this tied into that, the fact that the conversation going into that series was that Anthony Davis is not DeAndre Ayton. Anthony Davis is not Rudy Gobert. Jokic isn't going to do crazy on him. Then, you know, 28, 14, and uh, what, 10, 11, basically. Yeah. And he shot – yeah, it's just it's just the way it all played out. Like, if you want an inside scoring, the spectacular shooting, the shot making, all that stuff, that's number one. Uh, number two for me, Ryan, is – well, actually, I want to hear your number one. What's your number one? I think it's that. I think it's honestly it, – it's probably the Jokic shot. Like just just the crazy Jokic shot in Game Four. That's when I knew they weren't going to lose. Like you're just right. you're just not going to if if that's how if that is how this is going to go. You've got a player that's rising to the occasion like that. That's doing some crazy stuff right now, and and it's not abnormal for him to do that. Nuggets fans right. know that. Nuggets fans have seen that all the time. But for him to do that on the biggest possible stage, and to break the hearts of Los Angeles fans. 
Oh, so sweet. <laughs> so, so sweet. Yeah, I think right. the crowd reaction from that I've watched, I can't tell you how many times. Just <laughs> people coming to the realization, no, he did it in game one. Everybody's like, nah, that's luck. Then yeah. he did it in game four against LeBron in the first half, and he like does a double step back, moon heave, like <laughs> 80 feet into the air, and then it drops straight into the basket. And then all of LA is just like, bro, no way he could do this again. And then all of a sudden, Right wing, dribbles, dribbles, step back, one leg, yink. And I was just like, oh, my gosh, bro, this man is money, bro. He's doing crazy stuff. And, and like, it's really cool to see him dip into his bag right now because, like, there there are so many things that he can go to in his bag. is it's It's among the deepest in the league from a scoring perspective, and people just haven't seen it before. So right. really, really cool to see. Um, I think – who? What's what's a good next one? You can't have Jokic's like fifty three or the forty three that he had in the in the first or second round because they came in losses. Although those are like great moments, awesome moments. Probably Game Six of of the Sun series, if I'm being honest, is the next one. Yeah. Just like being able to run them off their home floor and and be up by thirty on the Suns and the Suns being down by thirty in back to back years in an elimination game is hilarious. Right. Uh, that was that was really cool, and it was it was vindicating to be able to, like like destroy that demon once and for all. Yeah, uh, second for me, bro, is the fact that you went into the Sun series and people that I love and respect, Suns and five Nuggets can't stop their pick and roll. Devin Booker, Katie getting to their spot, shooting over the Nuggets. Jokic, no no spacing, no way they can't stay in front. All this other stuff, drop coverage, no way. Yeah, and then but the best highlight of that is Aaron Gordon holding Kevin Durant to sub 40% shooting mm. when matched up in isolation. That was just beautiful because you <laughs> brought him in, he brought him in here for that. And he was able to give KD the business. And then they end up winning that 4-2. And again, if Devin Booker doesn't shoot 80% over a two-game stretch, they don't win either of those games. So just a master class by the Denver Nuggets in that series. The other one that I've I've got to mention, and this will probably be my last one, Back in that Wolves series, there were definitely times where the Nuggets were down, where they weren't feeling it, and then Michael Porter stepped up. Michael yep. Porter was the guy that in the fourth quarter, it was Michael Porter time. And like, how often have we actually really said that before? Was Because most of the time, I was, I was talking about this for the majority of this season. Denver's usage, like they, they were going heavy Jokic, heavy Murray, and then Porter and KCP were like, at one point in the regular season, we're at six and seven percent usage, like during clutch time. And I was like, okay, so this is just not something that they do. And then they started looking for Porter. And then when Porter was on the floor without Jokic or Murray at the beginning of the fourth quarter in game two with Denver down, personal eight-row run by himself to be able to put them back up, and they never really looked back after that. Like it's moments like that where you see the growth in Michael Porter as well as the right. defense. Like the defense has been a constant, which is really cool to say. Like I never thought I'd say that before, but his ability to go on these personal runs and really take over in those moments—that <laughs> to me is just that. That's some vindication for sure. Who's who? You know, you know who's not been the worst defender on the Denver Nuggets in the starting five? Not Michael Porter Jr. Yeah, I mean Jamal Murray's been the worst, but that's just because of his size. Like they have no choice but to hunt him. Also, somebody has to be the worst. Like it's it's more of a <laughs> I think it's more of a credit to the rest of the team. Like Denver doesn't right. really have that many weak points right now. And like I think right. Jokic and Murray are probably their biggest weak points, but the fact that Porter's not, 
that's crazy. That's a, that's a crazy thing to say. Who who would have said that before the season? Right, and then two years ago versus the Suns, barely stay on the court, and then literally he he's been isolated this year versus Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, LeBron, AD. Now LeBron got him because he's you know two hundred and seventy pounds, and he's the strongest wing ever. So yeah, yeah for sure. But Porter, man, and his rebounding, Ryan, been incredible. You know, Joel Rush posted uh, from Forbes, he posted a little tweet with all of his, like, kind of rebounding compilation in there. And you just don't, like, it's so underappreciated the fact that Porter is such a good offensive and defensive rebounder. And the fact that he's such an elite floor spacer next to the, like, he, he leads, I think he leads, he's second in the team in net rating during the playoff run. Aaron Gordon's one, Porter's two, Jokic is three. And, again, it's not an accident. I think Porter, is he leading the entire playoffs in plus-minus right now, I think? Uh, let me check on it. Let me uh, let me give you that that number. Uh, total plus-minus. Jokic is at the top at plus-130. Michael Porter is next at plus-128. Like Michael Porter. Yeah. Like, the cone I, I, on defense. Here, here's the thing. Uh, Jokic is 130. Porter is 128. Gordon's 126. Murray's 126. And then Caleb Martin is fifth at 89. Like there's a drop off just like the regular season, which turns out that actually is pretty predictive in terms of how Bro, this thing remember is going when to go. people were using the, you know, Jokic was a, a negative 130, negative 31 leading into this playoff, leading into this season. They said, not a playoff ride. Look, he's a negative on the court. It's like, bro, I really don't think there needs to be a documentary done talking about what Jokic had to deal with in the playoffs the last two years. Yeah. And then you can compare what he did next to anybody else in NBA history and say, who do you actually think would have done better in that spot? He lost to Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, and Jordan Poole on their way to a, a, a freaking title. Right. Lost to Chris Paul and Devin Booker when Chris Paul was actually good. Um, right. back back with 2021 and then then just like without like like even Jamal Murray and, and like a whole bunch of guys that that probably right. could have been really helpful in that series and then like the the tides have just completely turned man it's been really really cool to see and like that's that's honestly the most sweet thing about this right. is that everybody is either eating crow or feeling vindication right now and there's no in, like it's either one of those two things. You cannot feel something else. You cannot just ignore what's going on in Denver right now. And that's that's just a very cool thing to say. Also, make sure to shout out Bruce Brown, who I think has been fantastic this yeah. entire playoff run yeah. and deserves like he's, that dude's going to get paid and it's probably not by Denver, but like it's going to be. We're, we're, we're going to see how let, it goes. Let me ask you this for you. Well, actually, I can ask you on the other side of the break too, but I want to ask you a question about Bruce Brown. Sure. Yeah, we'll, let's do it on the other side. When we come back, folks, we're going to talk about Bruce and then we'll talk about uh, the state of Nuggets coverage and, and what that's actually meant of late. But first, this podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Superbook. Everybody, thank you so much to Superbook for sponsoring this pod. They make sure to bring that big bet energy this summer. They're the most trusted name in sports betting. And right now you can use promo code MILEHIGH to score up to $250 with their first bet bonus. Uh Win or lose, they will match your first bet up to $250 with promo code MILEHIGH. Just make sure to download the Superbook Sports app now and use use that promo code and you can get $250 courtesy of Superbook Sports. Gambling prop call 1-800-522-4700. We will be right back on Pickaxe and Roll. 
Pickaxe and Roll, Ryan Blackburn here. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Joined by Swipe a Cam on this weekend's with Swipe a episode. We're doing great stuff. Uh, this has this been a lot of fun. Thank you so much, everybody, for hanging out in the chats. Make sure to give this a like if you're watching on uh, whether it's Swipe a Cam's channel or the Mile High Sports channel. Make sure to drop a like, and we can uh, just just continue to grow this bad boy from here. Uh, take advantage of this finals run. Like, why not? So let's talk about Bruce Brown real quick. You said you had a uh, you said you had a question about Bruce. So here's the thing. The approximation for Bruce Brown that I've been thinking about, should he choose to want to operate in this role? Bruce Brown has an opportunity, I think, to be the Sean Livingston of the Denver Nuggets, the Manu Ginobili, not as good, obviously, of the Denver Nuggets, and I think the Andre Iguodala as well. Because, you know, the, the, the Warriors really had two of those players that were just like dynamite bench players. Like everyone in the league coveted it. If Bruce Brown, I don't know, maybe he decides that, like, he's like, bro, like, I'm going to get paid, but I also want to be a part of a a real, like, a championship-level core for the next several years. Can you Do you see Bruce Brown as one of those types of players that, like, makes that kind of, like, dynastic impact, possibly, like, around star-level players? It's a good question. Like, we, we've seen what he can do next to Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden mm-hmm. and guys like that how he can riff off of what those guys do and find a value in that. And then we've seen what he can do here in Denver with Jokic, Murray, MPJ, really adding to the product of what they're doing. You you know, here's a number that I pulled for an article that I posted today on lineup data. Uh, Bruce Brown joining Jokic, Murray, and Porter this year in the playoffs. A 140 offensive rating. 140. Like, <laughs> that's stupid. And it's not what you would expect, right? You would expect the guy like like KCP, somebody who's a floor spacer, somebody who, who, runs, who also runs the floor, to have at least a little bit of that. But what Bruce Brown has been able to do, he's just so technically savvy with operating around those guys and giving them the space, but also taking over and being like showing that he can drive and showing that he can handle a little bit has been really, really helpful and really, really cool. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be what he wants to continue to do. Like, if he might still want to continue to grow, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't surprise me. I, I'm, I'm going to look up what. how old is Bruce Brown right 20, now. 25. 25 right now. I don't now. know if he's turned 26 yet, but he, I know he for sure started the year 25. Started the year 25. He's currently 26. He's, mm-hmm. he's, uh, yeah, he just born, turned his birthday. Same age as me. Um, yeah, it, it just would not surprise me at all if he was like, okay, let me try to capitalize on this and continue to grow into what I believe to be as a starting player, a starting right. caliber player, somebody who can who can make starter caliber money in the NBA. And like this might be his best possible opportunity on the biggest and brightest stage to do, to actually do that. So I don't know if that's where it's ultimately going to go, but it does feel to me like, I mean, he's he's the perfect player to have on this Nuggets roster. And I've kind of underappreciated that during the regular season without really knowing what he was going to do stepping up in the playoffs. Right. Yeah, you know, I knew he was really good with the Nets, but um, I think the thing he brought is just a relentless tenacity. He's an incredible defender, like an incredible defender. He is a great post guard. It's <laughs> yeah. so funny. But the thing that he does, his ability to put pressure on the rim, is it cannot be overstated. To have a guard that is your literal fifth option or sixth option 
be able to go from one end of the court with the ball, get to the basket, or be an off-ball rim threat player. There's just nothing that you can put on in terms of like communication-wise to, to overstate how important it is that at all times, you got Murray who can get to the rim, Bruce who can get to the rim, Porter who's shown the ability, and then Jokic who has all-time rim pressure himself, plus Aaron Gordon. It just it, it presents so many difficulties, which is why that 140 offensive rating makes sense, just because you can just attack from anywhere, and Bruce is also a good rebounder. So they're like them in transition when Jokic has Murray, MPJ, and Bruce and Gordon on the court. Yeah, bro. Like you got two great spot up shooters and you got two elite rim runners. This year in the playoffs, here are Bruce Brown's averages 12.2 points. 3.9 rebounds, 2.2 assists, 1.1 steals. Okay, that's fine. That's nothing nothing like crazy, but it's on 26 right. minutes a night, 53% from the field. He's only shooting 28 per, 28.9% from three, but it feels like more than that. And 63% from two, but he's shooting 89.5% from the free throw yeah, line. Just been super locked in on, on both ends of the floor in terms of like, hey, how is this going to work? How am I going to do this? And the key, like like you talked about here, 56% on drives, 56%, 23 of 41 in these playoffs so far. And he doesn't always get the opportunities to do that. But but when he's had that, he's, he's been able to do it. What I will say is like that lack of three-point shots still, like it's kind of manifested a little bit in the playoffs where he's he's taking them selectively, probably not taking them. Uh, not, not as like an off-the-dribble kind of shooter or score or anything like that. And I do think that that, like limits his ability to be a starter in my opinion, but like he still fits in as like a 25 to 30 minute per game guy, because you need players like that. Can you, if you have, are you on a, can you look at what he's shooting above the break? Cause I know on the left corner, he's shooting like 15 to 19%. But I think he's shooting like over 45, I think from the right corner. Uh, but I think the above the break is, should be around average. Maybe I'm, I'm not really sure. Cause I think some of that goes into his his shot profile, why he's being dragged down so much so far in the playoffs and in the regular season. Above the break, Bruce Brown is at 36% from three this year. 18% from the corners. 18%. <laughs> he's at 0% from the left corner and 28.6% from the right. <laughs> Uh, what a fun player. <laughs> he is such uh, an anomaly, bro. I can't believe that. That is you, hilarious. You would think that a guy like, like hey, you, you have time to spot up in the corners. You can, you can camp out there a little bit. You know that the ball's eventually going to find you. But he's been so good on the wings and, and like, above the break. It's just been – how funny is that? Like, just such a unique player. Like, hey, dude, dude keep keep shooting your high, high field goal percentage above the break, and then it, it ain't going to matter at all. Like, well, again, maybe if he just eliminates corner threes, you know, I don't know if he will, but, uh, again, maybe just that one side. But, again, if you're shooting 36% from above the break, I mean, you're that's you're a league average to just a slightly above league average three-point shooter, which I think is can work. I don't think Bruce needs to be a high usage player, though. So I think he needs to be in a starting role that would be – but, again, I support, if Bruce goes out and wins the championship as a, the best sixth man in the playoff five, like, I support my brother's dreams and whatever he yeah. wants to do with the rest of his career. No, like I mean, he he's earned this. This was the right. this was what he came in to do. It was to play with Jokic. It was to get paid. It was to help them win. And right, and right now, like he's, he's going to do hopefully all of those. And like 
it's just it just makes a lot of sense for for him to kind of capitalize on this moment. But we will see what it ultimately looks like and what he can ultimately do. But I do want to transition back. Uh, we I, I talked about this a little bit a couple podcasts ago, and and just basically my my stance was it makes financial sense for what Chris Mannix to say be actually true, but it doesn't make it morally or ethically correct for how like for how national media has really approached the Denver Nuggets. Mm-hmm. You're supposed to be genuine with your coverage. You are supposed to be consistent with your coverage. And for, for those that don't know, Chris Mannix went on, I, was it the Dan Patrick pod? Was it his pod? Dan, I, I don't, I don't know. But like, well, so, so he was on Dan Patrick, but he also was on the Rich Eisen show. Mm, okay, well. that's the Rich one. Eisen show was where he had those comments. Yeah. So basically what he said was the reason why people don't talk about the Nuggets, the reason why people don't talk about Denver, it wasn't as much about the financial aspect. It was that they weren't compelling. It was that they weren't interesting. Jokic, amazing player, not very interesting. Murray, like really showed up at these playoffs, not very interesting. Porter, not very interesting. And it got Nuggets fans all hot and bothered for for obvious reasons because I think if you if you wanted to say that it was the reason why you're not talking about them is it doesn't make financial sense to talk about them. Nuggets fans can at least understand that. Like, okay, you're you're gonna try to pad the pockets. That's that's just how business works. But if you're actually like not doing the work to figure out whether a team is interesting or not, that's stupid. That's mm-hmm. that's like like there's clearly stories here that people have missed, and there's stories that you and I have talked about, and why we have large programs that are locally. Right. So here, here's the thing, right? Let's just have an honest conversation about this. Chris Mannix is highlighted. Who I actually like. I actually really enjoy his basketball talks. Like I think he's very intelligent, very well versed on the NBA. But the issue here is that Chris Mannix, like many others, has a clear coastal bias because those. L.A., Golden State, Knicks, Nets, Boston, even Philly. You know, those are the cash cows of the NBA. Those are where you get the most eyes. They have the most populated cities. And again, from a drama standpoint, they all have some kind of drama going on. And so you can maximize that and get clicks, get views, you get likes, you get shares, which means you get more money. So the more engagement you get, the better. So when he was saying not compelling or interesting, well, all he means to say is that the best basketball team in the NBA doesn't have drama. The best basketball team in the NBA isn't located on the coast. So you have to manufacture basketball stories with the Nuggets. But that then takes what you said, investigation, time, and effort. And Chris Mannix has not put in the investigation, the time, nor the effort to tell the story of the Denver Nuggets. Because, Ryan, if you're telling me that – a two-time MVP who's on his way to win three easily. You could have he could have just covered the month of March as a story. How did Jokic not win the MVP? Oh, it all started on March third, and then descended into this Kendrick Perkins, this stat padding, this white voters, and build a whole story. I could I could tell that story any day of the week. Jamal Murray, you come back from an ACL injury and you average thirty-two point five points per game in the Western Conference Finals the first year you're back. Let's do a deep dive into that. Michael Porter Jr., three back surgeries, formerly one of the one or three best players in the entire high school landscape, Gatorade player of the year, completely redefines his game, no longer a cone on defense. You're the third best player on a team in the finals, and you're 24 years old. 
Aaron Gordon leaves your Orlando Mackett. Used to be a number one option. Ill fit. Now he's the number four option with the Denver Nuggets. KCP, Bruce, I mean, Michael Malone, son of a coach. There are so many levels to this. So many. But if you don't want to put in the effort and you don't want to actually learn about the product you're watching because this is not the Kim Kardashian show and you don't want to talk about, well, if LeBron James can retire. And this is my thing about this, Ryan. Literally, as soon as the Nuggets got done playing, once LeBron James made those retirement comments or at least hinted at that he was thinking about it, the narrative was dead. It was no longer about the Nuggets. Right. I have watched Undisputed in First Take. They haven't done a real segment on the different Nuggets in the last two days. Because for them, there's nothing to talk about. And I think that's the part of it. It's just like, if you can't rely on telling good basketball stories, then you need to do a revamp of what you're actually doing in media because that's your job. So, I mean, I was very just, like, bothered as a content creator, somebody who watches. Again, right, if, if you ask about the Orlando Magic, I could give you a breakdown of the Orlando Magic right now. Sure. But that's my job. Like, I'm supposed to be able to do that. So, you know, I just I just thought it was really just really disappointing. No, and here, here's what I will say. I do want to give credit to ESPN over the course of this last week. Yeah, I do think job. that their coverage of the Nuggets has been exceptional over this last week. And and that yeah. has really turned into like like some of some of the videos that I've watched from from the content teams there, whether it's them compiling every every star talking about Jokic and how great he is, whether like there was a twelve minute video that I watched that included that, but also included great discussions with even Kendrick Perkins and Austin Rivers and Jalen Rose yeah. about hey this is how they actually get the job done, this is what they're doing on the court. And there are there's a lot of that. And like I, I think Ramona Shelburne's talk about Jokic's body transformation is really yeah, important. Like that's a lot of people talk about him as a fat white kid. Like that's that's just how they're talking about him. But that's not who he is anymore. Or at right. least it's 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 part of his story, but it's not the whole thing. And so there, there's a lot that they have covered of late that mm-hmm. I think des- deserves credit and you, and you deserve credit for that. But you're also late to the party. And, and you're also like that you're catching up. You're trying to save face a little bit because you hadn't been doing this for the entire season, despite the fact that the Nuggets had been point like painting it on a billboard that this was going to happen. Like there were there was plenty of and discussion. then they went into multiple series, Ryan. Uh, yeah. I could please elaborate. They went into multiple series where people were like saying that like they just weren't the best team. They didn't have the best player, like the Sun series and even the Lakers. Like, but even the 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 the, the response during the Lakers series was all pro Lakers. The Lakers have got the Rui Hachimura adjustment. Yeah. Man, I wouldn't feel great if I was the Nuggets. Huh. I mean, you won the game, but did you really win the game? And then game two, they're down 10, and then they end up coming back to Jamal Murray. Is he really going to do that again? Do you feel good about being up 2-0? And then you get up 3-0. But, hey, the Lakers, but you know what? They got LeBron James. They can do it. They can get this, this, and this, this, and this done. And then after the game, yeah, you sweep them. But I love – also another guy I really respect, Brian Windhorst. That was one of the closest sweeps I've ever seen. But it's just like we just keep coming back okay. to the well. It's it's also very frustrating that that LeBron fake retiring narrative popped up like to distract from the sweep. Like it, it right. that's absolutely why it happened. <laughs> like right. LeBron trying to be the main character in this story once again. When bro, you're not the main character this time. Like that's that's the Nuggets. That's Nikola Jokic. This is about his rise. This is about who he is. And I think that a lot of folks, especially in national media, were not willing to go that route. Like, 
the main character was the Lakers. The main character was LeBron. And they've been relying on that for so long, 20 years, in fact, that they have not been able to pivot to other people to be able to talk about, oh, wait, wait, you're not the main character right now. And they didn't fully acknowledge that until it was actually done. And even still, like, talking about retirement and whatnot. So I just – I think that that's probably my biggest gripe is that Denver has never been the main character in its own story. They've never had an opportunity to do that. This is the first time where you can actually say that the Nuggets are the main character in the NBA. And it, it feels like everybody's kind of late to that party. But again, right. we're, we're local. Like, like we, yeah. we see that and we have appreciated that. And it's not a surprise that we're early on that party. I don't think we were early, though. I think that we were properly assessing it and everybody else was just late. We've never thought that the Nuggets were a title team outside of this season. And then when they got Aaron Gordon March 25th, 2021, for when they went 8-0, that's the only time. So it's not like we've been, like, in this place where, like, this team is clearly the best team in the world. And even me, you know, as much as I love Joker, I didn't say Joker Joker was the best player in the world until probably midway through last season. So, like, even I was trying to be like, all right, you know, he needs to earn his way up that ladder a little bit. But, Ryan, if another player in NBA history averaged – 28, 15, and 12 in a sweep on the way to the finals. That would There would be no other story. There wouldn't be another story. 28, 15, and 12. There wouldn't be another story told on television except about this player. No, I'm, I'm with you. The, the reason for that, obviously, is they, they don't know how to talk about Jokic. They hadn't, they hadn't known how to talk about Jokic because they hadn't done the work. And that's that's part of it. That's That's just what this is all about. And like, we could talk about Lisa Salters. We could talk about Chris Mannix. We could talk about so many people and their actual takes on, Oh, I haven't even really watched this guy before. That's, that's crap. Like it just is like you, you should be invested in this player because he is probably going to end up being the face of the NBA at some point. And it's, it's going to be, it's going to be an interesting, interesting transition for a lot of folks where they don't know how to talk about him. They don't know how to cover him because he's not giving them free content with interviews. Right, right. Yeah, which is fine, though. Like, Harrison talked about this with Chris Mannix. You know, yeah, he doesn't – Jokic doesn't grant a lot of one-on-one interviews, but Harrison said, like, you know, we, the NBR, we did the work. We went to Serbia. We talked to his people. So we got the stories about Joker without having to talk directly to him because we were passionate about it and we wanted to know. So, which is why, Ryan, you've been on the case for years, which is what, you've done such a great job which is why Adam, Harrison, Brendan, uh, and then uh, Superstar Dev, D-Line, Matt Moore, Katie Wenji, uh, Romy, Romy uh, Jenna Garcia, Chris, uh, everybody, everyone, which is why all those people have done an exceptional job covering this team because you all care, you all leaned in, and you all did the work that needed to be done in order to make the stories be what they were. Think about how much work had to go into that too. Like, Denver, like part of Chris Mannix's argument with with Vic and Chris Dempsey on, on the, the radio was that because they're not on TV, like how much work did we have to do when we didn't actually get to rely on the fact that Denver wasn't on TV? Like We, wow. had, to, we had to go and, and be boots on the ground in a lot of cases and like, have to get some of these extra stories and do a little bit of extra work. And like the TV networks aren't making it any easier for anybody. Comcast isn't making it any easier. So like there, there's a lot of that. And like, it's, it's not like Denver's on national TV a ton. So you, you don't exactly get those opportunities. How many times do you think I illegally streamed the nuggets? <laughs> like, right. There's a lot. 
there's a right. lot of time. So it's just, I, I don't think everybody fully appreciated the work that had to go into this. And to be able to cover this team accurately, I feel really proud of that as a local Nuggets media member because mm -hmm. there wasn't anybody helping out. It was us and it was, and that was it. That was it. Mm -hmm. Nobody else is, is doing this work. Right. And then too, you know, Chris brought up this, uh, this idea that, you know, when he's talking to Chris Dempsey and, um, and Vic Lombardi, that somehow the biggest story in Denver is not the title run. It's the fact that the Nuggets can't watch, you can't watch the Nuggets on television because of the Comcast and altitude dispute, which is ridiculous because we've been in this for four years. So you think we should be dwelling on something for four years? And when this whole conversation is about billionaires lining their pockets, so I'm supposed to pocket watch these billionaires every single day? What I have no power over that. Like I'm, and matter of fact, we've been dealing with this since the 2018-19 season, basically. So this, there's, there is no like blaming the fans or blaming local writers who did pieces on this, who have talked about this. But then what they did was they came up with solution to offer people counters. Hey, you can't watch the game this way. DMVR. They try to get television networks set up. They try to get. They opened up a freaking up. bar. Like they opened up a credit. bar. Like, that's a crazy thing. Like, hey, here's a hub for Nuggets fans to be able to celebrate and watch Nikola Jokic and the Nuggets. Like, that's a cool freaking thing to do. And it's, it's, that's not covered enough in, in general. Like, everybody wants to, like, Chris is just, he's, he's punching down in, in a lot of ways. And it was very frustrating to watch because everybody has done the freaking work. Everybody has done this. And it's just, it, it is it is very frustrating to watch somebody like that who has no idea what they're talking about act like it is okay for national media to not talk about Denver. Yeah, and again, like, what are we – like, again, Ryan, again, I know the NFL and the NBA are different, but, Ryan, you watch every Patrick Mahone game you can. He's in Kansas City. I love Joe Burrow. He's in Cincinnati. I like watching Josh Allen. He's in Buffalo. Lamar Jackson, <laughs> one of my favorite players in the world. He's in Baltimore. Like, I never – and even Saquon Barkley played for the Giants. The Giants, they suck. I'm watching Saquon Barkley. I'm going to watch him. And, again, you could say it's fantasy football. It's the NFL package, the Sunday ticket. There are so many options. But I never look at a team and, like, oh, huh. you know, they're playing in Cincinnati. I'm not about to watch Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, Jamar Chase, and T. Higgins. What do you mean? I'm tuning in, bro. I want to see good players. So you're telling me that you can't somehow create a storyline about the best player in a top – as a matter of fact, uh, Adam talked about this with, uh, I think, Bomani Jones. By the way, if you haven't seen that episode. So let me tell you this. There's only been one time I've ever been jealous of Adam Otis, and it was when I watched him talk to Bomani Jones. And I love Bomani. He's one of my favorite people Fantastic. in entertainment and television. Excellent. Wonderful writer. And one of the things they talked about was – like, we don't want this to be Tim Duncan all over again. Because the, the NBA messed up. I don't care what nobody says. You didn't do a good job of marketing Tim Duncan. So Tim Duncan's arguably a top five player ever, and you didn't tell, like, you didn't you didn't do a good enough job telling his story and talking about that team? Hey, bro. And then on top of that, Jokic is exciting. He's like a Magic Johnson, Larry Bird, Zach Randolph incarnate. Like, he does all of these things. Bro, just tell the story. You have a generational possibly top 10 player ever. Matter of fact, let me tell y'all something. Karai ain't going to say this, and he can't say it. I can say it. You know what Shannon Sharp said on Undisputed the other day? That Nikola Jokic 
could end up going down as the best white player in NBA history. And I fully agree. Fully agree. You know how many good white boys have been in the NBA? Starting with Larry, having Jerry West, having Steve Nash in the NBA. Bruh, I fully believe that because Jokic is like that, bruh. So you're telling me you could be watching a generational top 10 player ever and you don't want to tell his story? Eh, watch out, bro. I'll do it. Then I'll do it. That's what I'm saying. If you're not going to do it, then get out the way. Shoot, send us the money. Send it to Brian. He has, a, he has an account. He has an address. Give him your routing number and your checking. <laughs> and then you get it done. You'll do a piece a week. I love it. I love it. No, it's like we, we definitely deserve this moment. And, and it's why I want to bask in it. It's why I want to be able to enjoy it. Because there has been so much punching down on the Nuggets and kind of local coverage. And oh, you guys don't really matter. And like, I, I think that we've got a great group here. And, and we, we deserve this. We, de- we deserve this moment for sure. And it's it's gonna be it's gonna be really interesting to see if Jokic can can all can carry us all through because there's if there's no, you know, one guy it, you know what I'm so excited because you know what's gonna happen I'm gonna continue this run just like Larry Bird Larry Bird chose Charles Barkley one time that you know why did you put this white guy on me whenever they have a white guy guard Larry Bird because that was like his thing in the '80s he was cooking everybody you know what's gonna happen they're gonna put like I don't know, Duncan Robinson, Tyler Hero going to come back for the series or something like that. <laughs> and then Jokic, Jokic is going to look at Jimmy Butler like, why do you got this one? <laughs> <laughs> don't, forget, don't forget my guy Cody Zeller, man. Like, hey, you at least got to get a big body out there. <laughs> my guy Cody. That's what, that's what Jokic probably said to, uh, to Jock Landale last series, bro. Oh, bro. How do they keep putting white guys on me, man? It's just so weird. <laughs> I love it. I love the uh, NBA, man. So many stories, bro. On that note, hey, let's take a final break. When we come back, we're we're gonna talk really briefly about Celtics Heat tonight. Just there's big game, obviously, for for both of those teams, and like it, it's mm-hmm. it could be big for the Nuggets too. So we will talk about that in just a little bit. But first, uh, actually, you know. Nah, let's just let's just go to a quick break. When we come back, we will uh, discuss Celtics Heat. We're just gonna go. We're back. Pickaxe and roll. Ryan Blackburn here with with Swipa. Uh, thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in. Got a nice pumping show uh, on this on this Saturday morning and Saturday afternoon. Uh, Swipa, really Ooh. appreciate you stopping in and, and being able to share. Uh, By the way, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks are failing to hire a Toronto Raptors assistant Adrian Griffin. Um, Adrian's a very good coach, bro. Yeah, I mean that's that's one where like him getting away from Toronto after. Like, like they they probably should have hired him if we're being honest. Like that's right. I don't know. Does Toronto have a coach right now? Because they fired no. Barrett. Like no, they're still looking. They didn't elevate Griffin. That's that's wild to me. Like that that should be that should have been your guy. But maybe maybe they know something something that we don't. I guess. But or maybe Griffin was like, yeah, I don't know what this roster is going to look like. Let me go pair up with Giannis. Yeah, I mean, Pascal plus OG plus uh, Fred's a free agent. Uh, yeah. Gary's a free agent. Uh, they got Jakob Pertle and then obviously Scotty Barnes. I mean, it's a good, like, foundation. I just don't know what the ceiling is for that. Yeah, I always 
always a little bit concerning on that front. And I, I felt I felt like I was on the right side of that when, when talking about them initially. But uh, it doesn't matter. Let's let's go to I, actually. I mean, it is it is going to be interesting to see what Griffin could do with with uh, Giannis, though. That'll be like I mean that that group still has some some concerns. Like Middleton's a free agent. Brooke Lopez is a free agent. Like. What is that going to happen? But they're old and they're slow. There. They are old and slow. They need to get a lot faster, a lot more dynamic. They need more offensive firepower too. And I'm telling you, Drew Holiday going uh, nine of twenty-one in the playoffs and can you know five of 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 fifteen and all that other stuff. Man, that that has to. They they can't do that anymore. They can't. They can't keep doing that. They need they need an actual score, like somebody who can who can handle that pressure a little bit better. Well, Giannis is a ten on offense, so you know. <laughs> We'll get right back to that come next year. Good thing they have a 10 on both sides of the floor. That's okay. Um, let's talk about Celtics heat really quick. Obviously, the Celtics went down 3-0. Stormed back now. It feels like they have all the momentum. feels like they've got all of the juice heading into Miami for game six. But it is in Miami. It is in a, a situation now where you don't know what's going to happen with uh, with Celtics heat. I, I I don't know what's going to happen with Celtics heat. I, I've got some ideas on, on what's ultimately going to happen. But the one thing that really stood out to me just watching this last game was Jimmy Butler was very passive. <laughs> Jimmy Butler only took 10 shots in a game where you, you probably had to win it. Now, you, you didn't have to because you've got a couple more chances to actually get it done. And, and that's, that's, what, that's where my mind went when it came to how aggressive he's going to be tonight. I think he's going to take like 25 shots and it'll be a little bit different from, from this last time, but I don't know. looked, looked a little weird, looked a little passive. Not, not necessarily. Yeah, I, like think that he, I think that he have to close it out tonight. So I think Jimmy's going to go supernova. He's going to try. He's going to try. And, and obviously he's capable. Like what, what he's been able to do these playoffs, like he's probably been the second best player, but I, I don't know. Been good. Jokic and then everybody else. Like I, I don't, I don't know who. Well, who else again, is. remember it was Jimmy, but then the problem was Tatum in this series has outplayed Jimmy. So mm-hmm. you know, yeah. I mean, again, the only people that say Jimmy Butler, they're just trying to be trendy. It's just like that's just a trendy pick, you know. Like, um, I'm not a Nike guy. I want to work for Big Baller Brand. You know, it's just kind of one of those things. <laughs> Puma, let's go. Uh, no, it's uh, it's gonna be interesting to see what what actually goes down here. I, I just it feels like the Heat are dropping like flies. I don't know what Gabe Vincent's status is for this game. Like, is, do you know if he's healthy and ready to go he's tonight? Playing, I think he's going to play uh, tonight. I'm pretty sure uh, okay. Gabe Vincent is in line to, is in line to play. Yeah, and, and like he think about that I, roster. Like Gabe Vincent is a must play for you to win. He rolled that ankle in Game Four, like in the fourth quarter, and then played in Game Four. They sat him in Game Five. I'm not surprised that they sat him, and I, I have to imagine that they. Like there, there had to be some calculations going on with Miami being like, okay, yeah, for sure, we're not going to be able to get Game Five. Let's go all out to try to get Game Six. Let's let's rest Vincent in this one. Let's try to go all out in in this particular one. Get hot. Maybe Duncan Robinson hits six threes. Maybe Gabe. Could you imagine and- being the first team to give up an 0-3 lead in NBA history, bro? That's it's that is sketchy stuff. But like I mean, they're an eight seed, so like it's hard to it's hard to really like punish them for that, you know? Like it it sucks, but like this is the this is the exact circumstance that it would take for a three zero lead to be broken. Well, again, I'm expecting Miami wins tonight because I think they need to win tonight. Because if they don't win tonight, 
Game seven, Jason Tatum is a real thing. Like that's a right. real thing. So he's five and one in game sevens in his career. Pretty so good. He, yeah, he's pretty great. <laughs> the only one he lost was uh, 2018 LeBron, and that was, that was uh, like, prime LeBron. Yeah, rookie one of his rookies. Yeah, rookie. So that was uh, 17. So he got drafted in 2017. Yeah, 17, 18, which is rookie year, and yeah. he ran into. Uh, prime Braun that maybe had his second best playoff run outside of that 2012 season. Sure, like that's that's just. I mean, Tatum's Tatum's been great. Like when he actually acts like he's a great player. <laughs> like some of the some of the shots that he'll take and some of the shots that he'll miss, they are so infuriating to watch. <laughs> like there, there sure. are definitely times where it's. I, I remember turning on on last night's game during the second quarter, and. They are already up, like Celtics already up 47-32 or something around there. And Heat goes zone, and the Celtics just, they just move the ball around the perimeter. There's no cutting. There's no driving. There's no desire to get to the rim. And, like, at one point, they get a, a transition opportunity, and, and Tatum's just like, sure, I'll yeet this from 27 feet at 19 on the clock. That seems right. fine. That seems reasonable. And, obviously, he missed. But, like, it's going to be really interesting to see how those two teams like interact in, in this particular game, because I feel like Jimmy has not been, he has not been that dude in these last two games for sure. And it feels like Tatum and Brown and, and Marcus smart, especially have, have really figured some stuff out, but we'll just have right. to see. Right. Yeah. I mean, we'll see uh, at, at this point in the playoff and in the series, it's not even by, it's not even by exit nose. It's just execution. Like you have to execute your game plan. And they need to get it done. It's just really that simple. The Heat need to win. If they don't, the Celtics are going to win that series, I think, in Boston on Monday. But if it goes seven, that means they get two days off before the NBA Finals. Whoever wins that series. Yeah. Yeah, that's a that's a tough that's a tough thing to do. Like no, no doubt. Like for any of those teams. And they will be like, especially if it's the Celtics, like if they had to come back from 3-0, just think about how mentally and physically exhausting that actually is. And then you got to go play the Nuggets. Oh yeah, that's a that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, like I mean, th- there's there's no doubt that they can win. Like the Celtics could win a series against Denver. There's no doubt that they can do it. Like I don't think that they would, especially kind of with where this is at. But I just think that Denver has that look in their eye right now in terms of a, a team that's actually like seriously capable of doing this thing. And like the Heat, I just it's it's going to take a while. Like I'm going to need to see it before I believe it with them. Right. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, um, the Nuggets are very confident in a respectful way. Uh, they've been saying that they got four more uh, since the series ended. Uh, they've been saying they have five more, eight more. They, they, they are just on a mission. They, they are not content with anything other than winning a championship. So a dangerous team, a fresh team with a mission, with a purpose, with the best player and maybe the second best player on the court. I mean, that's a lot. That's going to be a lot to overcome. Yeah, I'm. I'm looking. Oh, Jamal forward. Murray! I'll play Jason Tatum or Jimmy Butler in a series. Nah, <laughs> nah. I'm gonna right. be insufferable. <laughs> My end of the year rankings are gonna go crazy. They are gonna be so upset. Uh, you're gonna see Jamal. Jamal Murray at twelve. Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Like Jokic is gonna be at one. Murray's gonna yeah. be at like eighteen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, one with a one with a bullet. Like there ain't no way. Uh, it's just it's. Oh my god, man. Well, like, I have I'm, a question. I'm, so for Jamal Murray, because uh, let's say the twentieth best player in the NBA this year was uh, 
Demonstrous Sabonis, like between because you know, how is that the exact same name that I thought of? Like in that, like that's the exact same guy that I thought of. Like wavelength, bro, wavelength. Wild. That's who we are. That's huh. who we are. Jamal Murray better than Demonstrous Sabonis. I think so. Like, what do you mean you think, think that, so? No, like, like I think I think there are reasons to believe that, a, like, if you're talking about regular season versus playoffs, that a guy like Sabonis could prop up a team in the regular season better than yeah. a guy like Jamal can, but. I, I mean, I'm a Jamal guy, so like I'm going to talk about the playoffs. I'm going to talk about 16-game players, and there's no doubt in my mind that Jamal's a 16-game guy, and we're still waiting on that with Sabonis, for, for sure. So what about uh, – do you think he'd even playoff regular season? Where, you, where do you have De'Aaron Fox with Jamal this year? I think – I mean, De'Aaron definitely had a better regular season, and he was starting that with the playoffs before breaking his hand. So, like, yeah, I could still have De'Aaron above – Jamal, but like they're in the same tier. There's no doubt. Like right. I think I think that before the season started, both of those guys, you'd probably a reasonable person would have those guys in their thir- in the thirties or so. Yeah. And that's like like just not not a surprise at all that they would ultimately be ranked in the same tier now, but they're just players that were underrated. And like sure. If Jamal goes out and has another 30 point series, 35 and 5 series, it's gonna get real ugly. The Western Conference Finals in the finals. So basically, it's him and Kobe in the in the, in the Western Conference Finals in the Finals. That's what it will come down to. It'll be like him and Kobe as far as guard performances. Dude, it's a fun combo. It is. It is like, and like I would take. I mean, let's talk about Donovan Mitchell. Let's talk about like, like Devin Booker. I think has elevated himself into that top ten oh, yeah, conversation, yeah. but like yeah. Donovan Mitchell has not. Like Donovan Mitchell fell back to earth and like. Darius Garland, I had people ranking Darius Garland ahead of Jamal Murray. Like, are you freaking high? Like, there's no way in my mind. Well, I thought the craziest one was, for me, and it still is, the Jalen Brunson. You know, they're like, well, look what he did. It's number one. I'm, I, I don't I don't care. I don't care at all. If you gave Jamal Murray the same wheels and, like, well, he's playing next to Joker. But people don't understand is the Nuggets have had an egalitarian system for the last several seasons until Joker took a scoring jump because he had to. But before that, they were all flat. Because they just didn't have like a a one uh one a one b or two like they just weren't doing that they were just playing basketball on the same plane. But as they've gotten better, the system got more defined. So I think if you gave Jamal Murray back that year and a half, and they built a system, I think he'd be a twenty four points per game scorer in the regular season already. There's no doubt in my mind. Like he's just that's just who he is. Like he he can absolutely do that. And and anybody that says differently, I think is like. They they they're just they've got their head in their sand on this thing. Um, well, by the way, I think uh, the last forty games of the year, Ryan, I do think that Jamal Murray averaged like twenty three seven and five. I think the last forty or so games. So it's not like Jamal wasn't already doing that, you know. Um, so I don't know. I don't know, man. I just think that like I just think there's this narrative about Jamal. Um, let me see. Last forty games. I, you're, I mean, you're totally right about it. Like in 2021, like the year after the bubble, he he averaged 21 a night. But during the latter portion of that season, he was at about 24, 25 on on similar efficiency to the bubble. Like he was he was doing the thing. He was absolutely doing the thing in that in that state, and then and then actually got hurt. And it, he just has always been that guy that's like he starts off a little bit slow and then picks it up at the as the season goes on and. Now we're seeing him pick it up in the biggest moments. And, and that's a – it's just a great thing to be able to watch and, and to be able to really fully appreciate. I, I think that you're right. Like top 25 guaranteed, 
other people might decide that they want to have other like primary ball handlers ahead of him, things like that. But like the list is shrinking. List is shrinking in terms of guys that I actually want on, on my team when it comes to a pressure-packed playoff moment. Like, you, I mean, can you, you overvalue know, playoff performance? Say it again. Can you overvalue playoff performance? Because I think that's I, – like, I ended the year last year. I think I had Jason Tatum last year. Jason Tatum, six. Uh, Kevin Durant, eight. And I think I had Jimmy Butler, nine, including yeah. playoffs. So if you can rise that far from regular season to playoffs, and I, I think ostensibly you could make an argument that Jamal Murray uh, – I, I heard somebody say the other day uh, on the volume, he thinks that uh, – it wasn't Jason. It was uh, the, the two other kids that they have on there kind of sound a little similar. They, uh, one of them think that he might put Jamal Murray top 15. I think that's a little high, but yeah. I think that's an argument, like it's conversation. No, like I'm, I'm, I'm the, the strongest Jamal guy you're going to find. And I, I don't think he's top 15, but because of what's like, like you have to be that dude in the regular season and right. at least, at least to a, at least to a degree, like it, it can't be 20 and six. It has to be. 24 and seven it has to be 25 and six something like that and like he's capable of doing that and i think he'll i think he's going to see a big statistical jump next year but like i also know that denver's got a lot it's it's so funny we've had thoughts on game six of celtics heat up here for this entire conversation jamal. <laughs> I, I, I'll, I'll take jamal over jace uh over jalen brown for sure though like that's that's oh, yeah. one that i'll definitely take yeah i think that's out of the that's out of the way you know and all that two-way value stuff jalen brown for getting cooked Dude, he's um, horrible season. defensively. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, been, it's not it's not been great. I wanted Jalen Brown uh, 2016 in that draft. I wanted him actually. Uh, he was like he was the first pick off my board for the Nuggets that year because they didn't have a small forward because they had Emmanuel Mudiay. So I was like, oh, maybe Emmanuel can throw him something. Man, shout out Emmanuel, who I uh, who I ranked as the 30th best starting point guard in the NBA uh, on Denver <laughs> Sniffs. On Denver <laughs> that was. Uh, I got some. I got some notes. <laughs> I got some notes. We we went through some stuff. I we went through uh, Nicholas Tedeschi in the 2002 NBA draft. I think like number four overall. We got Nene Hilario at like five or something like that. Like something yeah. crazy. And then we passed on Amari Stoudemire in '96. We got the friends of like Paul Pierce and them. And then like bro, we went through it. And then we went through Emmanuel Mudiay. Well, I thought out of SMU, a six-five point guard, ostensibly could be a two-way player in 2015. Oh, he looks like he could be a guy and then you went in it's like whoa this is not what i thought and i was shocked shocked that jamal murray was sitting there at seven shocked he was a 20 point scorer at kentucky as a rookie as a freshman that's hard that's hard to do and people just don't like they they didn't fully appreciate it at the time and like to be a 20 point scorer as a freshman at like an sec school is just like it's nuts it's just flat out nuts and like they was was that dude he was the first player in kentucky history to do that to be a 20 point scorer as a freshman that's and think about all the freshmen that have come through. Like that, that's a lot. That's that's wild. So really cool to see. Um, you have any predictions for tonight? Nah, yeah, he'd have to win if they don't. They're getting packed up probably in Game Seven. So I think the Heat win tonight. I think the Heat win too. I I'm just gonna I'm gonna go down with the ship believing in Jimmy. Like I I think that he's going to put up like 40, and and we will see. We'll actually see what he does. But it's. It's a crazy, crazy time that we live in where an eight seed could actually like do this. But like Celtics are putting the fear of God into them, that's for sure. <laughs> right. Well, again, it's all three point shooting. And I think that's the that's the that's the ceiling and the floor for the Celtics. They don't make threes, you're not they're not beating you. 
they do make threes, they have a chance to beat you. That's really what all their stuff comes down to. No doubt. Uh, but we've got plenty to discuss going forward with these finals. Man. I am looking forward to the opportunity to be able to talk about this with you. The final, I think Thursday, is, is game one. We'll have plenty of time to discuss before then. Like maybe we'll do an episode before then, uh, just previewing game one of what, whatever series that this is. But I know we're going to do a Denvengers episode as well uh, early next week, folks. So make sure to check out that. Uh, Swipe and I, we are so excited for this. Make sure to hit that like button on the way out. Swipe, any final thoughts before we get out of here? Man, I'm just excited for basketball. Great time to be an NBA supporter. It should be a fun week, y'all. Gonna be great. Gonna be great. Nuggets fans, enjoy this. Enjoy this shit because this is what it's all about. You get to enjoy it for the very first time. Don't waste it. Don't waste the opportunity. Thank you so much, everybody, for tuning in on this episode of Weekend with Swiper. We'll talk to you guys very soon.